You are listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you are interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of Us needs and appreciates all your support. Cinematic frontier westerns typically focus on survival in the untamed lands of Western America in the 19th century. Okay, these aren't cowboy movies. These aren't shoot 'em ups, high noon, sheriff against the the outlaws kind of movies. No, these are typically survival tales that depict the rugged landscape of the American West, featuring equally rugged, manly characters who venture into the unknown, face various challenges, and engage in conflicts as they seek to tame the wilderness, or more often, to tame the man they are, who's trying to understand himself in a world that is quickly changing. Frontier Westerns are not just about showcasing the physical landscape of America, but also about the depths of the human spirit and the human condition, the resilience and adaptability of a person pitted against the formidable forces of nature or another person. And Butcher's Crossing was adapted from a 1960s novel that many scholars uh, see as the epitome of the frontier exploration western. The book and the movie itself revolves around the character of Will Andrews, a young Harvard student who leaves his very comfortable, pampered life to seek adventure in the West. In Butcher's Crossing, Colorado, he comes across Miller, played by a very bald and, yes, rugged Nick Cage, a charismatic hunter who convinces Will to finance an expedition to hunt the biggest buffalo herd in the Colorado Rockies. It's mythical. And they head out into the mountains, and little by little, Will is forced to lose his dopey grin and face the cold, hard truths of surviving in this awful, wild, western world. I am TCD Witch, and I've wrangled up a posse of two here uh, to to help me navigate these mountains in this treacherous story in a very creepy-looking Nick Cage. I've got with me a buffalo chad. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, of course, we wouldn't be anywhere without our, our gunwoman, uh, Calamity Jordan. Your pistols don't really excite me that much. I've seen <laughs> better. And here we are discussing Butcher's Crossing, which is this uh, rather quiet indie movie that's getting dropped with several other Nick Cage movies in the past couple of months. Uh, this guy is always working, and I know it's easy to poke fun at Nick Cage for his straight-to-red-box nonsense. I think more often than not, he gives it his all and and really goes for it in films, and, and he shouldn't just be looked at as a joke because he really takes what he does seriously. All right, having just watched Renfield and gone right to this, you're absolutely <laughs> right. Look, yeah. I've made my Bangkok dangerous jokes about Nicolas Cage <laughs> and his quote-unquote hair in that movie when you get down to it you the man is really committed like if there's anything that the unbearable weight of massive talent was very documentary about it's like he does give a shit he Mm -hmm. he really loves his job he loves his craft yes this is also the scariest looking i've ever seen Nicolas cage just full bald head 
full beard. It's it's it. He honestly looked way scarier here than he ever would have as Ghost Rider. <laughs> it's a good look for him. He looked like uh, Max Payne from Max Payne. Oh my 3. god! That's, that, that's yeah. where I... the whole time I'm like, it's Max Payne. <laughs> I couldn't place it. It's the cover art for Max Payne. Oh my! I can't unsee that now. I can't unsee that. I th- I think it's a testament to him. Like, so he got into this. Isn't anything to do with the movie, but he got into. I don't know if it was tax evasion, yeah, but he yeah. owed a lot of money. It was what the mid two thousands, late two thousands. He bought too many old Superman comics. <laughs> yeah, you know he got charged. He paid his debt, and then he like just started. And, and even before that, he was always Nick Cage. He could he could be Nick Cage, and he will give you a hundred percent. I feel like a lot of people after something like that wouldn't even try to go back, or you know maybe he would be more jaded about whatever but it feels like without saying it he's like accepted Mm. that he's moved on and he's just doing projects like this and if it were anybody else i i I probably have more of a problem with it but he brings it all he lays it all bare yeah this isn't eric roberts who is a very culty wonderful cult star but it looks like he shows up right (laughs) that's that's what we're Mm. getting from performances like him i mean yeah i mean again compared to what i just said like i just saw renfield and this Whereas the last two things I remember Eric Roberts being in was the season four opener of Brooklyn Nine-Nine <laughs> and a Poison Ivy fan film. There you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's not to discredit the work that Eric Roberts puts in. But when Nick Cage is in a movie, yeah. you are going to get 100% Nick Cage. This guy never phones in a performance. And and sure, he has his like affectations and the things that he does. I think there's only one moment in this entire movie where he does the sort of Nick Cage, where he moves his head and he gets a little wild, and it's like one sentence. This is a very restrained, pulled-back performance where there's a lot simmering under the surface with this character. I did want to mention that. like He, he, he really is like holding it back mm-hmm. until he can just go nick cage <laughs> yeah. uh at, at that moment which is like so far late in the movie and it's so fascinating like he, again just the bald head and full beard and just when he's scraping a razor blade across his head which by the way is both i fucking love that somehow cool and upsetting to me i don't right. know maybe it's because i've tried to get rid of all the damn hair on my face you just need to casually be constantly scraping a straight razor across your skin just in mid-conversation okay it reminded me of the only moment i'm scared of in predator which is mac dry shaving in the <laughs> middle of the jungle <laughs> that terrifies me way more than that goddamn monster but he, he like his thousand yard stare it's, it's like he's honestly 90% of Cage's performance in this movie is eye acting and it's mm-hmm. very very compelling mm-hmm. you compare that to the naivete of Will Andrews played brilliantly I will say by Fred Heckinger mm-hmm. god I hope I said that last name right apologies <laughs> to whatever nationality that belongs to it really <laughs> does play a good contrast especially against another like withered soul uh, Jeremy Bob as Fred who you may mm-hmm. know as that dirtbag math teacher from Russian Doll season one but really <laughs> this movie could just be recalled hubris Cage is full of it in this movie. Like Miller, he just won't stop. It's like it's like he's got a personal vendetta against all Buffalo. 
Yeah, like he yeah. wants to go after the biggest buffalo pull, like because that's the main trade of Butcher's Crossing, Kansas. Mm-hmm. It's a death of the West. It's a story of the death of the the traditional yeah, it, West. Like, yeah, much like something like Shane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this happened where for a span of about a decade, we over harvested the buffalo to the point of extinction. And I like how that tied into the end just to like go forward a little bit. Mm-hmm. But the very end, because the one thing I did notice, I'm like, OK, there are some visual effects stuff in this but a lot of the close-ups were real buffalo bison buffalo yeah yeah. we find out at the end that it was a a specific tribe out of north dakota or north dakota montana Montana. the blackfeet nation of montana blackfeet thank you they handled all the buffalo that are featured in this film they have a a buffalo program and it's their mission to care for the bison and restore them to their ancestral land and conserve the wildlife and the habitat and revitalize the buffalo culture because chad you're right in 1860, there was about 60 million bison in the American West, and in less than two decades, it got down to 300. Yeah. And now, through the conservation efforts of people like the Blackfeet Nation, there's approximately 30,000 bison. It's not the 60 million that used to exist here, but that's that's quite the comeback. We, there's there's a point where we could go see a real bison. There's enough versus like 300, like. That is so rare for a species that had 60 million. Mm -hmm. This movie, it really is, in a lot of ways, a snapshot of that time in American history Mm -hmm. and its decline, which I think every character exemplifies. Again, you got Nicolas Cage's Miller, who is just consumed by the almighty dollar. (laughs) Imagine if society was still that way today. That'd be ridiculous. (laughs) And you have someone like Xander Berkeley, man out of cloth. He was goofy as fuck i love this character <laughs> i i do well okay yeah xander berkeley in this movie is pretty fucking goofy but he's entertainingly goofy. Mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. he's great too he's unrecognizable I, i'm used to seeing him play much more rugged characters like i knew xander berkeley was in this movie i had to double check to see if that was him i was like i yeah, he plays I, charlie <laughs> and again jeremy bob is fred pretty much being the curmudgeon of an already curmudgeonly crew which is an accomplishment. But, but he was like the voice of reason throughout he the was. entire thing. He was. Which made it make me, like, I would hate him in one moment and be like, uh, why aren't we listening to him? Yeah. yeah. Fred's yeah. actually right here. Yeah, again, yeah. Fred's right. I mean, he's being a dick about he's it. He's still an But asshole. he's right. And, of course, like, I, I like the little bits we get of Paul Rashi as McDonald. Yeah. Pretty his... much telling, well, you don't want no part of this shit, kid. Yeah, he's the Tim Meadows from Wackard, yeah. You want just, just get the fuck out of here. This is a very small cast. It's these four men out in the wilderness for the most part. And as I introduce this with the cinematic frontier western genre, this has man versus nature, man versus self, man versus man. Mm-hmm. It's covering a lot of those classic conflicts. mythological conflicts of classic literature, especially literature that is focused on... Jack London really came to mind in watching this, particularly having Will being this main character who is from the city and and brushes his teeth, and now he's thrust into the wild frontier and doesn't have a clue what he's getting himself into and just chips away at his psyche, and he goes through moral dilemmas, and it it just deteriorates him. And it's fascinating to see him go through that, just like this naivete to where he's just now as dead inside and rugged as Miller is by the end. And I do want to give props to co-writer, director Gabe Polsky mm-hmm. and the cinematographer David Galico, who, who do a tremendous job shooting this movie. Like, this is a 
gorgeous movie. You get sweeping landscapes as far as the eye can see. You get stark contrast of, you know, beautiful, warm spring weather and a harshness. Mm -hmm. Cold, monochromatic harshness that is winter like it's all beautifully done and uh like yeah again as you mentioned frontier western i'd expect this movie at least to look amazing even if the content of it is so so and thankfully it's like well the content here is actually pretty damn good yeah but this isn't gonna appeal to just everyone i i i I say this in the best way it's a dad movie it is in a lot of ways a dad movie but again i say that in kindness it takes a bit to pick up too like it it dragged a little bit in the beginning i i understand these movies got to give us some context to we got to figure out what the macguffin is and whatever but i i just wanted to go back to uh, the character will he felt like the inverse of what happened to teddy roosevelt um Mm -hmm. so teddy roosevelt was the youngest to do so many different things, but he he was a New York state senator. And on the day his child was born, his wife and his mother died within 24 hours. And he he ended up just saying, like, fuck this. I got to get out of here. He left his kid with his sister and he went out west. Uh, he did. Uh, he didn't do Buffalo. He did uh, steers. Um, but like he went out there not knowing shit, but he had money. And he's like, I want to learn to do these things. And that's what made him the rugged man he ended up becoming and you know huge imperialist on the side but like like <laughs> but that the, the rough rider just, the conservationist yeah, yeah yep. we have our parks department courtesy of teddy roosevelt yeah correct but <laughs> that didn't happen to will like this broke will mm-hmm. to the point where he's still standing and even you can cut this out if you want but like i i was a little annoyed that it was a lone person riding into the sunset i was just like all right fine <laughs> yeah I, I i'm with chad on that one the ending it it's fine it's just like really we're going with this it it didn't feel earned honestly it i i brought it up earlier think of shane that person going off to the sunset yeah that ending's earned i i, I don't think will gets he we don't get enough time to sit there and think about what just happened no before that end end and i don't think will as a character has enough time to really think like his actions set this whole thing off all he wanted to do was get out there and learn how to hunt and stuff and this is what happened this movie's mm-hmm. like only 105 minutes it actually could have benefited from maybe an extra 10 20 minutes so that we could see how Will acclimates to life. Yeah. After the hunt goes spectacularly wrong and such, and how difficult it is for him. And, what? you know, see what he does. And then, you know, maybe that way you can earn the going off into the sunset ending. Yeah. If you had 10, extra 10, 20 minutes. Because, again, it's only like a hunt, uh, an hour 45. Like, I don't usually say a movie should be longer. <laughs> But yeah, it's very rare. It, it, it is. And uh, I'm saying it for this one. It could have benefited from just a little more extra time. Yeah, the ending comes fast, and it does leave you wondering. And I agree that that, that walk off into the sunset isn't exactly earned. It's not, it's not clearly earned. I, I see no. that they're leaving this ambiguity in, in how he goes off that way, but it does it doesn't quite coalesce into a full and complete tale of this character's journey not at all and i I think some of the negatives to this is that 
while it could have benefited from a little more storytelling, particularly focused on Will, who is the launch point of this entire story, who is our POV character and doesn't exactly get the POV ending, it also drags quite a bit. This, as I said earlier, isn't going to appeal to everyone. Jordan called it a dad movie. Yeah, and unless you're into this style of Western, this is going to be boring to you. It's it's just not going to have the action and excitement that some people might be looking for. Uh, the only guns firing off in this are aimed at helpless animals, and so there's some there's some trigger warnings for you there, pun intended. Well, it, th- there's a truth into like everything that Miller says about Buffalo. The whole reason why we slayed through the Buffalo so quickly is, unfortunately, they're a very dumb animal. Mm. And I, I appreciated the historical accuracy, even in those moments where I didn't necessarily like the fact that he was just killing a bunch of buffalo, knowing what happens in the future. But this movie makes a count where it needs. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't think it's the perfect movie. Like Revenant would be more more your pace or, or I don't know. I, I would I would feel people would like The Revenant better than this. But as far as the Nick Cage performance he he's proven time and time again that he can act the part. And I can see why people doing these types of productions would go out of the way to get a Nick Cage because yeah, it it maybe comes with a little baggage, but it comes with a lot of name recognition and it comes with a person that, you know, is going to show up and fucking nail it. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's very hard to think of people who have gotten to that point in their career and still will show up on set like it's their first day mm-hmm. people can say that oh yeah i work with this person all the time and they're great blah 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 but like a lot of times that's just like certain people working together you can get like the wrong person on the wrong set and it sucks but it seems like nick is a chameleon and can go on any set and as long as it's something that he wants to do he's in 100 percent. yeah yeah I, i'm not really a western guy too much but i i actually signed up for this because i thought it was going to go in a way different direction like i thought this was going to be more like a a horror horror you want to get in the middle of the woods (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. um but it didn't turn out that way and i wasn't disappointed i get the only disappointment i had was the slow start and the fact that the ending is just like ah all right but i'll i'll give this seven and a half out of ten freaking macro shots of buffalo eyes and they're looking at me, and I'm just like, I'm sorry, buddy. Oh, <laughs> Jordan. Look, if we're being honest, what this movie was really missing was a POV shot from the buffalo via a fisheye lens. Yeah, <laughs> that's that that would would have been a money maker. But yeah, I have to agree a lot here. I mean, I do like westerns quite a bit. Then again, maybe that stems from growing up deep in the heartland of Arkansas and with my dad. But yeah, uh, Nicolas Cage is great. All the performances are really good. Even the biggest asshole is entertaining. <laughs> and the cinematography is great. The uh, the shots are amazing. Score does a great job. And again, it's not that often I say, I wish this movie were just a little bit longer. Because again, yeah, the ending does come slightly abruptly. And doesn't quite fit with what we just saw. We could have added a little more depth into why that character had that certain ending. 
But yeah, uh, excellent lead performance, great cinematography, and uh, an excellent score, too, to boost, I will say. Yes, yeah, great score. I actually mm-hmm. thought it was Thomas Newman. I had to look it up. It's not, but uh, it, had, it just has this great sweeping. Uh, yeah, Leo Berenberg. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to have to give it like 7 out of 10 whores with a heart of gold. Oh, <laughs> he's going he's gonna to marry that girl. He's going to marry that girl. And also, <laughs> let's be honest, that would be me in a Western by now. <laughs> I evoked Jack London's name earlier. And this does feel like White Fang. It does feel like, it feels like literature. I've seen a couple of movies and shows this year that I feel like I could build a university course around, which is adaptation, where you can take books and put them to screen, but specifically put them into screen so that they feel like those books. Uh, I've, I've been watching movies all year, not just movies that have come out this year, but uh, movies of the the past decades, such as Smoke Signals and A River Runs Through It, and both those movies, and a movie like this, it feels like you're watching a novel. And that's going to be the, your barometer check right there. If that sounds dull as hell to you, then don't sign up for stuff like this. But there is a, a literary nature to telling a story like this with this perspective, uh, with this coming-of-age out in the wild, out in the wilderness. It's not an anti-Western because it's not biting its thumb at the Western genre. It's Mm. giving a very intimate, real portrayal of the fall of the American West, the end of eras. Yeah, evoking that dad movie vibe as well. That's true. There's something to that. And and I did enjoy this. This And I enjoyed it most of all because of the performances of our two leads, Will and Miller, like Nick Cage, is crushing it. And yeah, I thought this was going to go in a very different direction as well, which is why I signed up for it. I thought, okay, this is going to get nuts. And it never does. It stays restrained and and Nick Cage restrains himself. And and he, he just, he puts so much out there with holding so much back. And I really respect him for, for turning in such a solid performance, great cinematography, great score. It does have pacing issues. It does have point of view issues that I can't, call this a perfect film i never would there's very few of those yeah if everything i've said if everything you've heard between the three of us is is enticing you to to seek this movie out i think there is an audience for this and and there is probably some good character study to be presented from an actor perspective or from a writer's perspective and those would be two types of people i'd say seek this movie out this isn't a taylor sheridan movie as far as westerns are concerned this is much more of a traditional western film uh, so with all that said, I did enjoy it. I did like it, uh, despite some of its problems. But I'm going to give this a 7 out of 10 bison testicles. That's good eating right there. Uh, those are called uh, Rocky Mountain Oysters. Rocky Mountain and Oysters. if yeah, if you ever uh, want to ask my mom about her time in Montana, that's the first thing she'll bring up. <laughs> Have you ever eaten testicles? I both do and don't want to. But let's always acknowledge the most perfect example of a Western out there. Almost Heroes, starring Chris Farley and Matthew Perry from 1998. <laughs> Ten. I said there are there are very few perfect films. That's one of them right there. Thank you, Jordan, God. for reminding us all of Almost Heroes. 